Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the NXT 2.0. Michael Sidgwick, in the absence of Adam Wilborn, you'll miss him. And I'm joined by fellow Dudley boy, Michael Hamflit, to discuss everything that went down on last night's show. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we review NXT 2.0, Raw, SmackDown, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, pay-per-views. We have wrestler interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture but before we delve into the guts hamphlet what were your broad thoughts on this dismal television show too rubbish too too, too rubbish um it happens over and over again where we've said on this podcast specifically that patter enjoyment can only stretch so far before you need to put something in there that makes it feel worthwhile worthwhile of your time worthwhile of what you want to be entertained by and i felt this happening at halloween havoc and nothing has arrested that gut feeling i've got they're not giving me a reason to watch they're not giving me a reason to invest why would i want to watch a show with vince kevin bruce whoever sean road dog i don't know the 20 of you it's not paul but it's the rest of them why would i watch the show they're no longer giving me reasons they got by on four or five weeks of new people every week Ah, Vic Joseph, every week. And we knew it, and we knew it was happening. At some point, they had to hit pause, stop creating new characters, and stop doing inter- and start doing interesting, relevant things with these characters they created. And it already feels like they've hit a wall. I get no joy saying this. We have had a lot of fun with NXT 2.0, but this and last week is feeling like the fun has stopped. I mean, yeah, I have to echo that completely. We will analyse why exactly the fun has stopped. Um, as we go further into the show. But the show itself started with a six-woman tag team match between Toxic Attraction versus Caden Carter, Casey Catanzaro, and Io Shirai. And I hope you like breasts, because <laughs> Toxic Attraction made their goddamn entrance. I had no idea. If I hadn't watched the show religiously, and I didn't know that it was always held in the performance center, like I would have no idea where this show was. I would have no idea how many fans were there. I would have no idea about anything because that camera, directed, of course, produced, of course, by Bruce Pritchard, was just firmly wedged down the cleavage of the heel unit. Jesus Christ, this was pretty obnoxious, even by WWE standards, and those standards are no longer what they were between 2015 and 2020 because this is Divas-era stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. The match was an improvement on Divas era stuff. A generic, if you like, six woman tag team match. You know, the heels dominate, the baby faces fight from underneath. Io Shirai is showcased as the um, best woman in the team because they're building towards a match between her and Mandy Rose. And it's uneven in quality, I would say, without being electrifying on the whole. The idea is that they are trying to um, present toxic attraction as the doyens of this division. And that's somewhat undermined by the fact that. Um, which not Gigi Dolin. Who's the other one? JC Jane. JC Jane attempts to mm. do a roll through the ropes into a DDT 
and she fails at it. So that's not very good considering what the characters are meant to be and that they're meant to be champions. Um, I was delighted, though, that um, they caught very well, I thought, a pretty well done Casey Catanzaro dive. So that is, you know, seven stars by NXT standards. <laughs> not very good at that. And um, the finish is a distraction because it so often is. Carter was pulled off the top rope by Dolin, hits her finisher for the win at about the 12 minute mark. Uh, what did he make of it? Uh, um, positives first, I guess. So I didn't hate, I know we kind of talked about how, you know, WWE is so set in its ways that the uh, Catanzaro uh, or Caden Carter kind of has to get the win over. You know, or or Io Shirai, I guess. But somebody on the babyface team has to get the win over one of the heels because you're setting up two title matches. It shouldn't really be that way that champions have to get beat to set up title matches. But that's just what they do. Instead, we had Toxic Attraction get the win and thus actually look dominant rather than just telling us they're dominant. I, I can't be too mad at that. And yet NXT will still ask us to buy Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro as the next logical challengers, even though they've just lost. So, like, don't book the match. Unless you've got a clear direction of like how this wants to go and you want us to make sense of this, tracking it back, don't book it. Um, but Toxic Extraction did at least get the win. I quite like the... I, I didn't like the act, but I can't really be angry as an analyst at the attempt to rebadge Katanzaro and Caden Carter as these dancing fools because like they get over on TikTok together doing it. They enjoy doing that in their spare time. It goes back to what we all say about wrestlers being able to enjoy like their life outside of WWE. And in this case, it's been transposed onto television. I might think it looks a bit silly. Uh, I'm a 36-year-old white male. Yes, I am NXT's core demographic, but I'm not the people that they should be targeting. So I might think it's a bit daft, but there's probably a lot of people that that resonates with. So again, like there's scant positives here. The match, however, I didn't like at all. Yes, safety is paramount. And seeing that, as, and I know you're alluding to it as a bare minimum of what we should expect, but getting safety is better than what we've seen in the ladder matches of late. But it's a toxic attraction problem that, you know, the old days in the Triple H NXT have been like obsessed with working the hard camera. Every wrestler works the hard camera. Toxic attraction have been given that instruction, but instead of with their eyes, it's with their ass, with the ditties. Like they're just being, like they've been forced or, and it feels at gunpoint to work everything with their bodies and with their sex appeal. So you cannot do even so much as a roll-up without that strange thumb on the lips, Valvinus type move, or this like, <laughs> or this sexy stare down the lanes. It's funny you isolated Jessie Chain because I think she's the guiltiest of it. And I wonder if, to be fair to her, I wonder if it's a certain insecurity because that's obviously what they're just being screamed at. Sexy, be sexy. <laughs> sexy be sexy coming from these gross four old dudes like i just and it must just be rattling around the heads the entire time io shirai was a wrestler the rest of them were performers and that was the match you got as a result yeah um i just echo that completely i feel like we're going to do that quite often throughout this podcast more now trademark odd formatting because we get two separate segments that lead to the fact that toxic attraction are just still like at ringside <laughs> conveniently set something up. The first of which is Pete Dunne. He doesn't care about Tony the Angel though. And he can get a fight if he wants one. He is interrupted because everything is interrupted everywhere. And I include AEW in that by Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes, who once again contrive to be infinitely cooler than anything else on this show. Trick Williams delighted me with his patter. Carmelo Hayes, in contrast, was a really like cool, collected presence. And Pete Dunne, in the end, seems to challenge or get challenged by um, Carmelo Hayes for the main event um, later on. We cut to a vignette filmed outside, and I suspect they've blocked off the same street because Grizzled Young Veterans did a segment <laughs> later on in the exact same environment. But oh, this, man. But this one features MSK, and they are walking to find what they were looking for, the shaman, the man who invented the uh, the law of MSK. Everything's law <laughs> these days. Um, but they get to the office, and when you just know it, they've moved. They've walked all that way for nothing. They have some more really how have they knock our chemistry wwe again the word is contrives to take an actual tag team unit who've got evident chemistry and they're 
piss poor scripting makes them look like they've met each other for the first day and they can't act they talk about how they need to look up the new address they do that and it's <clears throat> 420 miles away like <laughs> is it marijuana like pretty much legal uh, everywhere in america or in several states and it's been decriminalized and the other ones that don't do it and it's it's fine you don't have to do this 1970s Cheech and chong patter where you allude to the fact that people are getting high people are getting high and they talk about well i'm flying right now which is subtext for i have just smoked multiple spliffs did you call this or read it about rob van damme being the payoff to this called it. i've called it call it like, it's, it's definitely Rob Van Dam, and he's definitely going to give them M S K with his thumbs, isn't he? Because that's something that's gotten over once before, and they'll uh, we've workshop this, brother. Not be permitted to get over with their own stuff where they can use the legends instead, and they'll watch it. Yeah, that's it's got to be where this is going. It's either that or Riddle, and you honestly can't imagine he would sully himself with NXT 2.0. Like he's got enough of a sweet life on the main roster that he wouldn't. It's with yours. I mean, this was just so bad. The overlapping dialogue was so ironically unnatural. I didn't have time for it at all. Uh, I will not be eyes glazed over as I am with so much of WWE's output when I see where this goes. So there is that. But um, yeah, not particularly good. And we go back to the NXT 2.0 arena. Is that what they're calling it? Still not named it. Performance center. It's a freaking <laughs> performance center. Toxic attraction inexplicably are still there. The implication being that they've just stood there and you know watched MSK. Maybe they want their cocks <laughs> because they want Imperium's cocks because they're just sexy broads. That's all they are now. That's all they've been reduced to by this prehistoric white management team. And um they see and watch on as Kaylee Ray enters the ring and to have her match with Saray, which I stupidly was looking forward to, as I thought, you know what, Saray's been given the short thrift um, amid this reboot. She really did impress us during the dying days of the CWC, and they got about four minutes to mm. tell their story, and as a result, it felt contrived. There was a wicked-looking DDT in here that looked all the more glaring because it couldn't be sold because it only went four minutes. There was an absolutely incredible submission applied by Saray where she managed to get um, Saray's leg and touch the back of Saray's head with her own foot. It looked awesome, better than any stretch muffler I've ever seen, and it looked like the sort of thing that you could sell how debilitating that was in the last three four minutes of like this great tv match you didn't get it you just got a klr bomb to hand kaylee ray the win at four minutes 50 the idea is that kaylee ray is going to get a push and saray is doomed yeah unfortunately so the the bendy leg lock specifically is one of them really cool spots where you forget That's that basically that yeah, well, yeah. it's it's one of those very specific spots where it in reality, only certain combinations of wrestlers can do it. It requires the recipient to be flexible enough. It requires the person doing it to be strong or, you know, at least have that strength or, you know, sort of technique as with the Zack Sabre Jr. I was thinking Beth Phoenix and Molina being the two to do it. That was a way to put over Beth Phoenix's incredible strength. But really what you're watching is like somebody's versatility and their flexibility as well. So I absolutely love this. And in a sense, that makes me think, well, that's why you put her in there with Saray the two of them can have a great match. It's not just Kaylee Ray going through the squash motions with some trainee. It's her beating somebody uh, of some some reputation to get her over and get her going. But yeah, five minutes, just rarely will I complain about their matches going too short on this show. But rather than giving Kaylee Ray the generic week one squash, you've given her a decent opponent and I would have happily taken more of it. It didn't seem like the strategy was to have Kaylee Ray come out and, deck some loser straight away it was to say well we already know she's got this legacy with the nxt for all it's valueless fundamentally but the nxt uk women's championship she's not coming in brand new she's wrestling on nxt before in 2019 she was in a war games you are not just taking some complete stranger here so there's no need to have her go through what all of these other newbies are going through on this brand and yet it still wasn't long enough to therefore feel like she's had her first fight she this didn't out of out because all they've told you about Kaylee Ray is that she's already proven herself time and time and time again. So this was a proving yourself match. Why did she need to have it? If anything, you have a do a couple of squashes to build to this Saray match on a war games. 
and you give it 10, you give it 15 or something like that. What this did tell us more than what it told us about Kelly Ray was that it told us about Surrey and that she's just here to suffer or anything. If they've got anything about them, they'll this will be to tee up a repackage for Surrey. But looking at how they've repackaged other wrestlers on this brand, I don't foresee things going very well for her. I mean, I don't see things going well for anyone except for Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams at this point because they've really yeah they were very good. They've really got something. Um, following that um, now now something match. Um, Joe Gacy has requested a match with Boa. He wants to help him. Just fight him. You're a combat athlete. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. But regardless, he wants to help him because he sees the shame that Boa carries. And he also wants Haaland to reach out his hand. Don't do that. It's Dusty Rhodes' uh, hard times thing. <laughs> to do when you reach out to the television and ask someone to join hands with you through it is remind me of something that is inordinately better than this utter tripe. And Boa must have said yes off screen because, you know, the match happens later on. And Jesus Christ... It is hilarious. Um, in a somewhat savvy move, um, we get clips of Brom Breaker uh, performing on the UK tour. And he says that, you know, he's been sharpened by the inexperience and they select clips of him battering Sami Zayn. And it's just a nice little reminder, I guess, that Brom Breaker is still somebody worth investing in. And we get to the Boa versus Joe Gacy match. Um, must have knocked on his door pretty quickly because that happens right now. <laughs> so what happens is that Gacy uh, gets the early momentum. That word haunts me. Um, starts punching him in the face. Boa, in response to this, starts kicking ass. Now, uh, I'm wary of this take, so I'm going to try and word it carefully lest I appear to be a hypocrite. I'm a huge proponent of the audience reflects the booking and the performance. The audience, if they are dead, usually means they're getting served something that's underwhelming or outright bad. This crowd was a little bit performative tonight, if I'm being perfectly honest. They were chanting, this is awesome, during the opener. They were telling Carmelo Hayes and Pete Dunne to fight forever. And they also, and I'm not saying that he's a bad performer, but they were very much behind Boa. So I'm not trying to frame this as what happened next was a monumental disgrace, even though it kind of was. But they were behind Boa, and then the thing that we're about to bury happens, and then nothing. They were killed. So what happens, if you've not seen it, and uh, very few of you have, looking at <laughs> is that when Boa starts kicking ass, he, <laughs> he gets a boot up in the corner to cut off Joe Gacy's attempt to kick ass. Boa sits on the turnbuckle, at which point some lights flicker on and off. It's like the Wish version of Finn Balor's Amazon demon stuff, which mm. in itself feels like Wish. So what does this make this? <laughs> and he becomes, the implication, possessed. <clears throat> Flickering lights, supernatural goings on. Boa is possessed and subsequently kicks so much ass that gets disqualified. This pretty performative crowd who are running through the tropes of how an enthusiastic crowd should perform can no longer perform. Like, even they can't abide this. I, what was this? Well, I mean, what was this? What this was, I think, was yet more evidence that Bruce Pritchard can't do the thing that he thinks is his favourite thing. Like, the return of Goo can be almost directly traced the return of Bruce Pritchard. Goo in WWE. Like, we've seen so much. In the last couple of years, we've seen so much in the way of, like, spooky bollocks, I think, is the catch-all term for it. But, you know, you know the sort of stuff I'm covering, and this is goes in with it. Like, they can't do it. And yet they do so much of it. And what I mean by can't do is not that it's just really hard to do in wrestling anyway. You have to have very specific rules of your universe set up as they were in Lucha Underground, for example, and there have been others. But um, there has to be very specific rules for any of this to work ever, 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 ever. And even then, the good equivalents of it, uh, the good examples of it can break those rules of the universe, you know? Um, so even though I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a good example and now I'm struggling to, but even when this is done well, I guess the original demon would possibly be one. There was a certain mythical quality to Finn Balor as the demon. However, when done really, really well, it can be very effective 
in small doses and with the rules very, very clearly explained. And they were always super clear, almost patronizingly clear about the demon. But that's how that worked. This isn't demon boa. You know, like this is not going to. And he's a pretty crap demon because he just lost his first match. If he's the demon boa, this is the latest attempt to get this like thousand year old dragon ghost lady stuff over, I would assume. Like Chan Shah's law will be extended off this. But WWE, again, have this horrendous history of trying to extend the law to the past, to the point where one of these days, Boa, with all of his other magical powers, exposed and extended and used and abused, Boa will one day tip a bucket of bolognese over his opponent's head. Because it literally happened once. Because they ran out of how to use the powers for another character. There is no faith in this process of this character getting over, being successful. He's lost on day one. Um, it's too stupid, even for the stupid parameters of NXT 2.0's world, uh, and it's failed. That's that's what I can't get over. This thing, this superpower, this destructive force has failed on night one. So why should we be expected to invest in it on night two, three, four, five, or however long it goes? It's just the maddest stuff because, like, again, isn't it mad how there is supernatural phenomena captured on film, just localized entirely to Florida, USA, and uh, no one's talking about it because it's fake. That's why. It's, it's We did this on the five-star review the other week, but this was for years. Just It was given pelters. People went in two-footed on this all the time. WWE do Ultimate Warrior in the mirror all the time, and it's never with stars as big as the Ultimate Warrior, and it's never a mirror. It's the ring full of fans. The exact thing that people used to criticise Ultimate Warrior in the mirror. All of us could see it. Hogan could see it. The commentators could see it. Only Eric Bischoff was there going, what's the problem, Hulk? What's the problem? It's like, hang on, that means Eric Bischoff's stupid and we're all the ones that, like, it's not an illusion, it's real because we can all see it. To be just that in the ring in front of, like, this isn't even a Thunderdome thing anymore. This happens in front of live crowds. That's how little respect they've got for this already pretty campy idea. It's... They, they don't get it. They don't get what is fundamentally wrong with this, and they will keep doing it. It's funny. It's going to be funny. Like I laughed at this. It was the first time I had an actual emotion um, when I watched this show. Uh, we get a small look at how Jacket Time came together <laughs> by just you know, like both like wearing jackets, and they are both Japanese. It's like not exactly, it's not exactly the Mega Powers handshake, is it? I'm not all Japanese. Like they literally. Made canon. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Posting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. 
Bruce Pritchard's – well, I don't want to say a name. They literally made Cannon um, WWE management's dog whistle or inadvertent racism. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it is, isn't it? <laughs> Through the dialogue. I, absolutely incredible. Um, Daniel Mind get pissed off and they say it's time to dominate. Um, Sola Sakura has an interview backstage um, interrupted by both Grayson Waller and LA Knight to set up a triple threat later on in the show before which we do in fact get the Jack of Time versus Creed Brothers match and it's just a match of two halves. Jack of Time get a bit of shine. Creed Brothers kill them and uh, I did quite like the spot in which Kushida and um, Jiro perform stereo um what's that move like handstand kick things uh, yeah yeah mm-hmm. that was canny and then they just get uh, kicked and they invest in an act and that act gets their ass kicked the path to the cruiserweight division seems to have been blockaded by the fact that two contenders to arrive at roderick strong have been defeated but it's fine um On famous the- cruiserweight odyssey jones <laughs> to set up a match he's already had who can he fight what's going on was this good no no this wasn't good on the preview yesterday it hadn't even uh, crossed my mind until you mentioned it that Kushida and Ikimanjiro theoretically could be trying to get to them yeah go on uh, theoretically, we're trying to get through the Creed brothers to uh, the Cruiserweight title and Roderick Strong and Diamond Mine. I had not even thought about that. I had thought, unfortunately, with WWE brain, they've made a couple of stupid idiots for the Creed brothers to smush in one week. And that appears to be what they've done. Any investment in jacket time from fans of Ikimanjiro Kushida will have been squashed by this under the thumb of WWE. The name was being buried on commentary. Did you notice that early? Like, Wade Barrett wanted to disassociate himself yeah. from Jackie Time. So it's like, you never know with this in WWE. Are they, have they created this intentionally bad for people to bury and then these characters to lose? Or did they make it because they thought it was good? And then, as we always talk about, Vince McMahon hates everything. And he's going down the, like, their run sheet. And it's like, that is awful. That is, I, I hate this. And it was like, Vince, two days ago, you were pissing yourself. I hate it now. Well, we haven't got time to change it. Right, we'll make sure the commentators say how terrible it is. Like that genuinely could be the process. So jacket time could have gone from this thing that we thought was charmless, but they thought was charming a week ago to now being buried by the commentary team. The team get beat. There is no sense that Kushida and Nick Minjiro are going to get anywhere near strong or anybody else in Diamond Mind for that matter. And yeah, are we, are we supposed to be wanting to see Odyssey Jones and Roderick strong, or is it just Odyssey Jones is going to get, and like genuine pitch, I guess now based on what was announced on this show, is it an Odyssey Jones led team for war games? Perhaps I don't know. Like, is that is that like is he can't win the cruiserweight title? I know. That's your first, that's your first glaring problem. He can't win the cruiserweight title. So here's me trying to think of a match. Oh God. <laughs> so like here's me trying to think of a match that where this actually makes sense. And is this Odyssey Jones needs three people to help him win a war games match against you know a faction have been presented as quite dangerous in NXT. Uh, and the first two people he has to go to are the two people that have just been squashed by the Creed brothers. It it doesn't make sense. If that's the play, it doesn't make sense. I'm not even sure it is. I'm just trying to, like, make some sense of any of this. Not very good. The match was, I'm getting, like, I, I get quite sad watching the Creed brothers because it gets less fun by the week, doesn't it? Like, yeah, by yeah. The, you can track it by the week how much safer they're getting. And <laughs> I know that sounds a bit cruel and callous, but I don't know. Take me back to that one CWC match they had. That's the thing. They're not dropping people on their heads. And even if there were, like, I get bored by safety police burials because, you know, it's fine. Like, you know, <laughs> it should be safe. Look at Bret Hart. But, you know, be a little bit more reckless. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not that hard. I know you're green, but that's what makes it more fun. Um, after Odyssey Jones uh, cleans house, uh, we cut backstage to Toxic Attraction, who claim that they are not losing their titles anytime soon. Um, in response to which, Raquel Gonzalez who's playing the role of Eric Bischoff on NXT 2.0. <laughs> the Undertaker, like what, it's it's your thing, Hamlet. It's what's what's her thing? Um, how can we make this one less boring? Is their mindset. Give her a hog. Give her a bling <laughs> cycle. And she just rides it everywhere because she can't possibly never be on it. 
<laughs> yeah, that's... On never beyond the motorbike at this point, so she rides it around everywhere. <laughs> She's brought it from home, and they've said, like, you can be late for work. You can arrive halfway through the show, but you've got to ride your bike in. Yeah. Like, you, can, you can come in late, but you're not taking the Metro. Otherwise, like, we want you in at call time. Just has to have it at all times. And, um, yeah. So she says, keep the title warm for me. And then she rides into the arena on the ever-present motorbike, and she summons Dakota Kai right now. And uh, Dakota Kai is the Joker. Oh, God. Well, yeah, Cedric, of course she is, because we live in a society. We live in a society, Jesus Christ, like, we should not have abandoned on the preview the new gimmick game, because Dakota mm. has the Joker now. She comes out, she laughs, she does a spin, there's nowhere she's coming or going, because she's <laughs> now, and she laughs, and then she stops suddenly, because it's more jarring when it stops suddenly. <laughs> Vince and Pritchard directing and this poor, poor woman who I hope's contract uh, expires shortly because she'd absolutely do awesome in all elite wrestling. So the, the, the laughter stops. It's jarring. It's scary. She's unhinged. And to uh, further this idea, she tilts her head to the side. <laughs> Dakota Kane. Dakota Kane. And, so many uh, comparisons here, you know, because I was thinking, like, Beth Phoenix must have been watching Dakota Kai going, well, she's pretty hot because then she started putting hands through her head like Edge. It's like oh, that weird, like acting that he does when all he can do is like run his fingers through his increasingly stringier hair. I'm tired. WWE sucks so much. Um, Dakota Kai says it felt good to hit her with a shovel. Is that all right? Is that all right? It's, it's possible. I think it's better than I usually do. Have we, have we got New Zealand listeners? Like, if oh. we did, re- reach out on Twitter and compliment Cedric on his uh, New Zealand accent. New Zealand felt good as a shovel. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Uh, uh, I'll I'll talk about my favourite restaurant all day in New Zealand because the only word I can say in the accent is Brit because I watched a lot of Flight of the Concords. Brit <laughs> <laughs> <Pretty> hard. <laughs> so Dakota Kai says, well, good to hit you with that shovel. Outstorms Cora Jade, inciting a pull-apart brawl. And I'm thinking, well, why? <laughs> because last week, Dakota Kai was questioning why she was so violent and kind of let her off. She beat her in a match. Fair. Beat her baby face, lick your wounds, train harder, etc., etc. She threatened to like batter her afterwards and then simply didn't because you got to be conflicted. <laughs> and yeah, Cora Jade treats this situation like she was in fact battered unfairly post-match. Uh, Hamlet. I'm rapidly losing interest in this podcast. Tell me what's going on. Right. So the ma- the match, obviously, is Raquel Gonzalez, Dakota Kai. That's at War Games. That's happening. That's safe. Um, Raquel Gonzalez and Cora Jade to be a tag team, presumably, when... Um, can exist? <laughs> well, based on that fist bump, we're going to assume they can. Despite the failure of most people to be able to coexist in WWE, Something that NXT had pinched a little bit from. <laughs> do you remember this discourse? There's too many stables. I cannot concentrate. Oh, God. Remember, remember that one? Um, they NXT pinched that to a reasonable effect in the in the latter days of the Triple H uh, Skull and Cross X era. Um, and I think this is a continuation of that. If you look at 2.0's landscape, yes, there are a lot of oddball gimmicks and like strange loners, and everybody just wants to. Ultimately, this show stinks. Yeah, everyone's hard. Everyone's wet. Stinks are cum. This show, but like, it's um, like there is quite a lot of uh, either like set groups or makeshift ones, makeshift alliances, and that as of course borrowing from AEW, which is itself borrowed a little bit from New Japan because it's a great way to set stuff up. And I think that's this. I think they've they love toxic attraction love them love them love them love them and i'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on only one act and that is toxic attraction and that is the trajectory of this group going forward and they've thought right well we need to put other groups together so in the opening you get this six woman match where eo shirai's kind of got no choice to form this alliance with people she has no respect for because she wants to get the money rose a tag team now exists in Toxic Attraction's orbit that could theoretically fight for the titles. In the meantime, when Gonzalez and Dakota Kai have finished, Gonzalez and Cora Jade become 
makeshift opponents for the tag champions because ultimately they're going to want to get back to Gonzalez versus Mandy Rose. You see, I'm not saying WWE are doing a good job of mapping several awesome stories out. I'm saying they're doing a good job of justifying those shots that pretty much get up toxic attractions flu once a week for the next for the next six months. That's what they're working on. Not This is not some sort of storytelling revolution for the company writ large. Uh, question for your Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you study at university? I did uh, journalism and IT. I did creative writing. Mm-hmm. The students at Andre Chase University do wrestling as taught by an in-canon greenhorn. <laughs> yeah. So that's... If, any, if, if anything, the journalists, uh, journalism lectures on my course were so pissed off with journalism that they became lecturers. So it was something being told off these people. Yeah. Good luck in that industry. You're going to be going around talking to people with dead relatives or reporting on cats up trees. Nice one. Mugs. Wage as well. Do it for two years and get into teaching like me. The sweet life. <laughs> sweet life. Well, Andre Chase's sweet life is a bit weird. He's instructing a lesson on mental toughness and he's got a smattering of students, one of which um, accuses Chase. Have none of them, didn't, none of them learn anything at the Chase University? Did not learn at university. Is that not what it's for? I figured this out, you know. You know why those aren't very good students and why he gets pissed off every week. There's not many of them, but you know why they're all... Like, we were at university once, Cedric, and any students listening will understand this as well. Like, it's a lot of drinking. You do a lot of studying, but you do a lot of drinking, a lot of late nights, a lot of debauchery. They've all only just got in the house from going seeing Lashing Out with Lash Legend last night. And now they've, they've got in at, like, four in the morning, and now they've got to get straight up and get in a nine o'clock lecture. They're hungover. Have you seen one of these Lash Legend shows? It's a fucking blast. It's an absolute party. party 20, best 24 seconds of your life. Like, you got lashes tonight. I have you not got uh, Andrea Chase studies in the morning? Ah, oh, yeah, now, but like, she's so funny. She's so, like, the drinks are so, you can drink 24 shots in 24 seconds. <laughs> and oh, I'll go on then. How, I'll, I'll go on then. I'll come. <laughs> like, this is just absolutely diabolical. The thing I resent most about this program, other than it disturbing my time, is that I can't even bury it on Twitter because it gets no engagement. <laughs> craft jokes about how bad this is, but you're not going to get the likes. <laughs> the tragic irony that a show called 2.0 is immune to numbers. Anna. Anna. <laughs> tragic irony is that something so wildly, outrageously bad is also so boring that no one wants to watch nor talk about it. Anyway, one of the students um, accuses Andre Chase of messing up. Um, another one defends him and explains why it happened. And then Andre Chase kicks off. And then we get another segment. <laughs> this man. Where's Wilborn? Where is Wilborn? He picked a good day off. Like that. <laughs> Grizzled young veterans in the same street, presumably, in which um, MSK um, shot their skit. They decide to distract a food delivery driver with some phone shenanigans, chicanery. That's a bit of a blend of the two words. A metaphor for I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Steelers food. They steal his food. Just one of them starving. Absolutely starving me. And uh, so it wasn't the, even his food. Wasn't even his food. So the scouts has robbed them. Mm, not sure about that. It's a bit um, stereotypical. And then he cut to another bit of the street where they um, eat the food. And uh, Zach Gibson teaches his young Padawan, you know, his, his PM, the, the, <laughs> the lesson he has imparted. If you can distract a random stranger on the street, you can distract a referee. Do you want to know why I know that grizzled young veterans can destroy, um, can already distract a referee and um, abuse that nefarious strategy with which to like win matches and championships? It's because they're the former NXT UK tag team champions, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I think they are. I think you know who you are. They are, aren't they? <laughs> they are. What's funny about this is we're doing a bit, but then because NXT UK is like, uh, I don't know, uh, is, is Ben Carter alive? Like, <laughs> so they're already pretty well versed. They are championship caliber distraction artists, but they need to, you know, learn how to do this before they do it again. Like, it's one thing, and this is another low key total burial of Triple H, that at Charlotte's Flair's NXT titles, they don't count anymore. <laughs> you don't count anymore. That's how much we hate this thing that you are to watch for two hours every weeknight live on telly. Jesus Christ, that's incidental. That's by the by. NXT 2.0, the implication is that they can no longer acknowledge title reigns in NXT UK. It, what was this? 
that I will go to that first actually because it allows me to plug something. I've got an article on whatculture.com forward slash WDB at the moment saying why Vincent Mann has erased Triple H's legacy. And within that, I've tried to figure out exactly where seven years of television slots into wrestling history. Because with this and other segments, it is becoming increasingly apparent just how much uh, Vince doesn't want NXT to have existed before episode one of 2.0. The frequency of the uh, the new characters in the, in the first few weeks, how much they've been pushed over the exp- at the expense of Triple H's old favourites and how those favourites have been rebadged to have a motorbike or go on a push bike, just to think of two examples that they both use bikes for. It, this is not, even in the new generation, the aggressive campaign of the new generation, this is the new generation, the implication being that Hulk Hogan on the other side is now older than dirt. He was our world champion 12 months ago. He's ancient. <laughs> like, but the idea was it happened. 2002, but he's ancient now. He's going to get younger. <laughs> yeah, if anything, he's going to age down. Like, But the idea was, like, yes, it was patronising that 1993 was apparently black and white times, but they weren't saying they didn't happen. It was just like, it wasn't like sort of, once there was no wrestling. And now Brett and Sean and Diesel and Razor were born and there's wrestling. That's what they do with 2.0. It's like, uh, hey, uh, do you remember Sami Zayn and Cesaro? Me neither. It's Braun Breaker time. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing happened before 2.0 day one. Nothing. And like, it's such a, how, like, and ironically of all the periods for them to just put a, like to literally brush under a carpet. It's the one of the few eras of WWE in the last 20 years that people have affection for. Like, they've, they've isolated one of the few periods. You asked me about, like, 2015. Like, everyone's different. My brain will go, take over Brooklyn. And, and various other, various other, like, magic NXT moments. And it's like, didn't happen. Didn't happen. Never happened. That's that's the one period that, like, they're about to release part two of the Ruthless Aggression documentary. And it's like, NXT, what? Never heard of it. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, In the meantime, on, just very quickly, on the Grizzled Young Vets. Uh, when are you... Um, so what, Dave, you got booked in to be a referee in the 2.0 dome? Because I was thinking about popping in week Tuesday. So if you can, if you can cover next Tuesday for me, that'd be fine. Because it turns out that like the comparison is literally anyone off the fucking street. Yeah. So I think I'll go in and take my turn. It's one of those things where like you say the quiet part loud, like every referee's an idiot. Yeah. It, it's just, it's accepted. Don't say it out loud. <laughs> Um, get a quick squash match next, which is pretext to um, a promo duel between Cameron Grimes and Rufeng. Um, Cameron Grimes botches his finish. It's like a one in a million mistakes. I will not dwell on it. I will dwell on how rubbish the uh, post match was. Um, after Cameron Grimes wins in like less than two minutes, Duke Bloody Adson. <laughs> That's a South African now. I'm so sorry. I can't do accents. And um, he wants to know like, how. How did he win? You were lost in your own world. You were playing with your beard, you ugly, short hick. I want to know how you won. And Cameron Grimes just says, oh, just hold it down everywhere. And um, in addition to saying things like, well, you're a troll who lives under a bridge, blah, 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 blah. You just know this is Vince fed bollocks. And even if it isn't Vince fed bollocks, it's someone trying to do Vince fed bollocks in an attempt to appease Vince. And um, a lot of rubbish totally artificial dialogue happens the result of which is that we are going to get a live poker game a poker showdown uh between duke hudson and grimes i don't know i i, I don't think i hated this quite as much as you because um a lot of the time i'd rather watch other things other than xt 2.0 and poker theoretically is other things like they're gonna try and have some sort of card game like probably somebody's going to go through the poker table or something like. like what if what if it was just really nasty? What if like Duke Bloody Hudson went to paper cut the webs of Cameron Grimes' fingers so he could never play cards ever again or something like that? You know, like what if he's got some really nasty trick up his sleeve? Ah. That's, that's card stuff. Um, rubbish. It's rubbish. I'm basically I'm trying to be generous about fucking card game on a wrestling show, but this is a rubbish wrestling show. So let's see them try and have a rubbish card game. Well, I'm going to try and remember this point because later on when I get to the main event and they try and have the temerity to show you some good technical wrestling, I was like, no, don't, don't you dare. You want, to, <laughs> yeah. you don't want to do this, so don't make me think that you want to do it. Anyway, um, stemming from the events early in the night, we do get the triple threat match between Solo Sakura, LA Knight, and Grayson Waller. And the story of the match essentially is that um, Knight and Waller, who are petrified of this hot new stud, 
um, decide to put aside their difference temporarily and think, well, one of us can win this match. If we can work together, this falls apart. It results in Waller and LA Knight trying to outdo each other. Who can do the better low bridge? Um, who can do the better elbow drop, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. They're both a couple of geeks um, who are handily dispatched within five minutes by one guy because this is an ostensible handicap match. And um, the Superfly Splash ends LA Knight, who is the pin eater, in five minutes. Uh, I think I'm going to be generous to this. Uh, like, not all of this worked, but I thought this was the most. Once. And I'm, yeah. this company can't do anything at once. One thing at once, like, yeah, I'll give it to them. Yeah, there was a certain, again, like, we kind of look at the some of the very few things that they've got right. And <laughs> shock, uh, big jacked guys and hot women. Like, they can, like, lay so much focus on these, just so, so much focus in all the very obvious ways that it becomes passable and then guys will occasionally get over. Solo Sokoa is, like, greener than Greta Thunberg. But he... <laughs> The, the commitment with which they've applied to him here um, suggests that they're going to just push him anyway and kind of hope he grows into the role, which, again, Bron Breaker is doing. We're dealing with people that have got, like, one-page cage match, like, rank, like one-page cage match lineups. And for anybody that maybe just doesn't know what cage match is, just very, very quickly, it's a godsend to people like myself and Sidgwick that write or talk about wrestling every day. It's a record, a really richly kept record of every, like, every match from a wrestler, house shows, like live events, the Largo Loop, whatever. It's the, the people that lovingly create that website, unsung heroes of the rest of the internet, because it's such a useful reference point time and time again. And typically, you would look on a new sign-ins page, especially if you're somebody like me that is often just trapped in the mainstream wrestling bubble, and go and see what they've done. And then you might find like cute little oddities. Oh, it turns out they fought that person on the Indies. Now they're both in WWE or AEW or whatever. Some of these 2.0 men and women have got 20 matches, like less than on cage match. And that's not because the cage match guys haven't done their homework. It's because all of it's been taking place in the performance center where you can't get in and you can't see the only place these matches have been seen. have been on that monitor in Vince McMahon's office that's gathered dust since the day it was installed. Hey, you know, Vince could be watching at any time. He never is. Yeah. Well, he could be, but he's never switched it on. Solo Sikoa was another one of these, but um, I didn't think this was the worst attempt to accelerate his ascent through 2.0. You need more than just Bron Breaker to call any of this process a success. And and I like I like his they're not great, but I like his Fauna Myrtles. I do. So but they're just not great yet. So try and get them as great as quick as you can because they're probably going to go a long way with him. Yeah, he's he's explosive enough. Mm. You can see that there's um a rudimentary project lurking underneath this weird gimmick where he's been like abandoned by his family who are also on SmackDown. <laughs> we know, we know all of them. Oh, you wouldn't want to meet my family. We've known them for about 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Like are you bored by those M monologues as well? Um, we could backstage <laughs> to Indy Hartwell and Persia Parotta. And um, they're talking about how they were so close to winning those tag team titles. Indy Hartwell, Touched them at one point, just like she touches Dexter Loomis's big cack, his big <laughs> 9.5 inch cack. And that's in canon, he's got a 9.5 inch car. Are you referring to Dexter's meat? Because in a minute, I want to talk to you about Dexter's meat. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a big tuna. Huh? Uh, <laughs> in walks Tony D'Angelo. Like, honestly, AEW to which I do hold to a good standard, needs to stop this interrupted every single backstage promo because I was reminded of AEW watching NXT 2.0 here. And it was oh, God. good enough. Tony D'Angelo... Is is, uh, no, is that not because they're one of the most recent interruptions of Eddie Kingston and Eddie Kingston and Tony D'Angelo both in the streets? There's a lot of similarities. Yeah, yeah, there are people who will have this take. So <laughs> don't remind me of the names that are in my head or on Twitter who will have this take. I hate um, Tony D'Angelo says that he's going to have a match with Dexter Loomis next week. Can't wait for that um, on a heavily mm -hmm. ironic level. And he gives uh, Indy a dead big fish. Persia Brody gets uh, someone so she can get herself something nicer. What's um, the implication of the dead fish? What's the law of the dead fish? He just wants uh, the Gargano family to have something nice at the dinner. That's how I understand it. It's nothing. They have nice family dinners, don't they? Go, go have yourself a nice eat. From, from the family. Remember dinner with the Garganos when they used to get like gothic and weird? 
Yeah, and like the whole table like stunk of Johnny's cock because there was a cup in the middle of the room. Yeah. Like uh, I wore this I wore this for 60 minutes in the most boring match ever, and now it's in the middle of our table where we eat. In the in the in the in the camera went right now. Candice Candice and Johnny have lost it because the cinematographer they invited to the home shakes it. Sorry in her darkness now. Yeah. The implication here, by the way, to answer your question genuinely, is that NXT are pitching a match between two literal murderers. Yes. <laughs> that's what's happening. Somebody's going to die. I mean, that's it. That's your lot. It's, oh, it's, Jesus Christ, this company. This company's going to die. I'm going to <laughs> piss on its grave. Um, <laughs> you're going to give Vince McMahon a big tuna. Yeah, yeah. Hey, really, I got a gift for you. It's my book, and it's a big-ass tuna. <laughs> this show sucks. This show sucks so much. And speaking of sucking, and it's not her fault. Not even her fault. <laughs> um, Electra Lopez versus Erika Yan in a one-minute squash. I'm not exaggerating here. 50% of this one-minute 23 seconds, something like that. Like 50% of it, 30 seconds of this squash featured Electra Lopez attempting to transition from a suplex into a powerbomb. Mm-hmm. The powerbomb was like, I don't have muscles, like sort of a, an amorphous <laughs> above my elbow. Is it the tricep? That's the bit behind the bicep. So you've got the bicep yeah. here. and it's Biceps. The Bicep's the one that looks cool if you flex it. The tricep's the one that's underneath. I think, yeah. Suplex on the tricep. Uh, power bomb on the tricep. 12 seconds after what was meant to be a fluid transition from a normal suplex. Like, it's not her fault. She should not be put in this position at... Um, this is one of the worst one-minute matches I've ever seen. Like, we got lo- some of the women got lost in a two-minute match last week. They're getting lost in a one-minute match. Um, anyway. Sc- not- scary bomb. Scary bomb. Scary <laughs> Another one. Control. One a week. Total lack of control. Like, someone's going to get really injured on the show, and it's not cool at all. That's when the fun really will stop. And um, after the match, Legado del Fantasma calls out Zion Quinn, whose gimmick is sexy, he's tall, he's handsome, he kicks ass. You like him for all these reasons, guys, okay? And um, Lopez says that Quinn's turned a hot a lot of heads last week, including mine. I'm wet, you're hard, this kind of thing. Uh <laughs> Quinn says that, yeah, yeah. I'm hard and you're wet, but I'm not down with Legado del Fantasma. And Legado del Fantasma, don't take too kindly that kind of talk. Um, So they go after them. And uh, uh, because I'm Quinn, is a sexy singing, dancing ass kicker, he handily beats these guys up. And then Lopez tries to slap him. Block hand. Some kind of dance thing. It's worth (laughs) Dirty dancing hard, wet, physical <sighs> dancing. And Lopez is like, I'm wet now and you're hard. And um, they have a little sort of stare down that's meant to indicate sexual chemistry. And um, Lopez decides when Legado del Fantasma want to kick ass, ah, I'm wet. Huh? <laughs> this is, this is Breeze telling us, listen, you little incels on your podcasts. You think I only want women for one thing and you think that I've just got toxic attraction of sex objects. I know what else women are for. Women are for saving by men. <laughs> nice one, Lecture Lopez. Good, uh, good one fighting your own battle for a minute, but I got a guy right here that's jacked and wants to take you away from all of this. Just like the fucking incels say on the fucking internet. Oh, he's doing a better... Zion Quinn's gimmick is a better Joe Gacy than the scripted Joe Gacy. I mean, uh, get you away from these guys. Uh, they don't, you don't belong with them. Truce, like Electra Lopez. This is just yes, yesterday. She uh, she put, I think it was on her Instagram. Twitter. I don't know how I even saw this. She posted a picture with her husband, a real life husband. Uh, I don't know if it was his birthday or it was their anniversary or something. Wedding pictures on the beach. Love my life. Greatest, like, inspired me. Blah, blah, blah. And I wonder if a little bit of it was because she'd read what her notes were for this week. <laughs> she was just like, just putting it out there. <laughs> Work and home. Church and state. This stupid bollocks they've got me doing is nothing. I just, I always go back to that power slam at the CW. I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to go full Shayna Baszler in Elimination Chamber here. But when you minimise what Electra Lopez could do, 
like I dared to compare it to China after one week because the chemistry felt right and there was this immediate buzz around this from obscurity newcomer that looked like a threat. They put her in a match with BFAB. They put her in two matches with BFAB, both disasters. This looked dangerous. And now, because she's a woman, it's, well, what we need to have her doing is swooning in front of men. Just like, I'm not advocating for much from the old dank Triple H world, but I'll take a bit more of that. Because he knew how to get that over because he knew that that got him over. Yep. He, rec- he recognised that. <laughs> and uh, this is grim, grim rubbish. It is pretty grim rubbish. Um, they announced that TakeOver War Games is happening on, uh, not TakeOver actually, just War Games. That's mm. preview fodder. That is preview fodder for next week. I can't be yeah. asked to talk about that right now. And um, we got backstage to Kyle O'Reilly. He doesn't know what to do with his future. I do. <laughs> I think we all have one. Good wrestling. Good all in wrestling. I can Good. think of a graphic up in Photoshop of six months, Kyle, if you want me to send you it. Like, the thing is, it's like, if this, this, they've got no self-awareness whatsoever. Don't script a character that a lot of people don't want to see in this promotion anymore. Mm. Say that they don't know what they're going to do because you're just inviting some snark from like dickhead podcasters like ourselves. Anyway, um, he doesn't know what to do. Um, should he go solo? Maybe. But, you know, then again, Von Wagner and him are a special team and they should <laughs> tag team titles. Um, Imperium, like literally everyone is uh, interrupted in backstage segments. So it's a clean sweep of one of my least mm-hmm. favorite things. And then Wagner pops up and says, uh, got a problem here? And they go, <laughs> not with you. But then they, they go away. So the implication is that they're scared of big Von Wagner, who has got about minus 30 years experience on all three. When Von Wagner slid up behind Kyle O'Reilly, why did he not grab his arm and them do a little dance together? He saved him. He's just turned up as his saviour. Hey, Carl, I always liked you, but I refused to roll with the Undisputed Era. Now you got away from those guys. Let's get serious. Just, like, to paraphrase one of uh, Jim Ross's most memorable calls, mercifully, it's almost over. Because we <laughs> at the main event. It's a match set up earlier in the night between Carmelo Hayes and Pete Dunne. And, of course, it's about three and a quarter stars. It's pretty damn good at points. It's a story of um, Pete Dunne trying to destroy someone's fingers, someone using their aerials um, to counteract that. Um, In between Symbolics with Dexter Loomis and um, what's revealed to be a cosplaying Dexter Loomis in Johnny Gargano, who swings the finish in the favor of Pete Dunne to advance the North American title picture. Uh, We get some apron stuff. It's a WWE NXT 2021 match um, that has a little bit of the old 1.0 spirit behind it. So we get apron stuff. Um, I don't want to be too much of a dick because there's one bump that I thought that Pete Dunne took in this match that was incredible. And he takes a lariat to the throat and he does that bump where it's like, Oh, it's right on the neck, and then you go, ah, oh, it's not really. It's just on that spot. <laughs> it's on that broad upper back area, millimeter precision that just looks like it's on the neck. It's an incredible bump. It really creates a sense of danger. And then we get a sense of total NXT 2.0 comedy nonsense. Um, because at the end, a gloved hand grabs Hayes' foot and he's distracted and he's susceptible to the bitter end um to finish the main event match off. And it's revealed to be Johnny Gargano. Um what do you think? I don't know, man. Like, Pete Dunne beats Carmelo Hayes at a point at which you don't really want to be beating Carmelo Hayes because no. what he's theoretically doing here is setting Carmelo Hayes up to beat Johnny Gargano. Um, I I didn't, I don't even think I like this match as much as you. Um, and I know you didn't like it that much. These, you can only really get away with these matches now on what we're, I guess we're going to just be calling specials from here on out, your Halloween Havocs, your war games, your whatever. Um, those are built for the wrestlers having a bit of a wrestle. These TV shows are otherwise card games and killers and and the like, and, and six. Like, that's what NXT 2.0 is. It's not wrestling matches. This felt really out of place. At least everything else we've reviewed feels very much in context with the NXT that we've come to expect in the last sort of couple of months. This did not, um, until Johnny Gargano was a zombie. And then you're like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm watching. Here we are. Um, Pete Dunne, we were led to believe, I think, a couple of months ago, had a had a choice to make, didn't he? And he's only really young, so I have no doubt that in three more years he'll have that exact same choice to make. I love Pete Dunne. And he'll, he's got several more contracts extensions to make choices. But I, uh, but I have to wonder if 
the man that we just talked about in the prior segment in a tag team yet again, or the man we talked about in this segment dressed as a zombie, prepared to lose to a newcomer, have to be looking at this and speaking at Pete Dunne and being like, you know, we're not going to make that decision right, Pete. <laughs> like, I, I hope you're happy with your decision because I don't think we're going to make that one. Um, if they're lining up, it's a bit like the main roster with Owens, if they're lining up, um, Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Gargano have very obvious exit feuds at this point, then, like, you, you can't be mad at the functionality of it all, can you? Like, yeah. two, younger, two younger guys are going to get put over by departing wrestlers. I just really hope they both depart. That becomes the nervousness. It's like, what if at the last minute, one of them says, oh, go on, then it's fine, I'll do three more years. You know. Pete Dunn did it. Yeah, exactly. Pete Dunn did it. Um, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm not just doing a bit where I say, they don't deserve my investment in pro wrestling because they don't obviously care about it throughout the show. But, you know, they're more interested in talk shows and poker skits and tits and <laughs> romance angles. And it's not just what I know of the process that drives me to resent some hard work by some really talented wrestlers in the main event. Like, it isn't just what I know of what they deem an obligation, which means I can't really engage with it on earnest terms. It's like it's a tone thing. It's a mood thing. Throughout, throughout the show... They just do wacky comedy romance tits stuff. So it's like, it doesn't really get you in the mood for like mm. a proper great wrestling match. Um, so maybe I'm being harsh on it. Like, you know, they're both very talented guys, but I'm just done. I'm just done with the idea of this as anything other than the bollocks that it is. But if I'm being harsh, you can let what culture WWE know on Twitter. Um, so follow us there. You can also follow Michael Hamflet on Twitter at Michael Hamflet. You can follow me directly on Twitter at M Sidrick. Once again, you can follow us all at What Culture WWE. Also, make sure to remember to subscribe for more scathing burials of old man bollocks um, on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast from. We've got some more dropping in the day, such as the AEW um, Dynamite preview. You can catch that later on. But for now, we will see you soon. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hulu.